Warning, this episode references domestic violence. (laughs) Welcome to Higher Potential with Indeed. Indeed's new 2022 DNI report has just gone live. It's one of the most comprehensive studies into DNI issues in Australian workplaces. Click the link in this episode's description to get your free copy. A welcoming workplace is built from the ground up with attention to diversity, inclusion, accessibility and openness. But the way many leaders and companies approach this is often full of grey areas, uncertainty and quite possibly fear. High Potential with Indeed is here to help demystify the process through the most powerful channel possible, conversations. Groundbreaking ones too. I'm your host, Cathy Ngo, diversity, equity, and inclusion changemaker and presenter. I've spent over a decade in HR, corporate affairs, and communications, but I'm most passionate about pushing the boundaries relating to diversity, equity, and inclusion. In this podcast series, we'll tackle the issues we face in the modern workplace, from diversity and inclusion, to remote working, accessibility, fair hiring practices, and more. This podcast is an initiative of Indeed.com, the world's number one job site with over 250 million unique visitors every month from over 60 different countries. Before we dive in, I wish to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are meeting today and to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening. I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Before I begin, if you or anyone you know needs support or help from domestic family or sexual violence, please contact 1800respect.org.au. Diversity is acknowledging that employees have diverse paths. Sometimes they've been profoundly affected by traumatic events, which can affect their day-to-day life. The Australian Human Rights Commission reports 17% of women and 5.3% of men have experienced violence at the hands of a partner. With many of us spending most of our lives at work, it's important for organisations to have a robust support system for their employees who may be experiencing domestic violence or are currently recovering from domestic violence. In this episode, we discuss what organisations can do to support their employees who are currently experiencing or recovering from domestic violence. To help us navigate this sensitive topic, our guest this week is Renee Draper, Chief People Officer at Peregrine Corporation. Welcome to the show, Renee. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Renee, before we discuss the topic at hand, could you tell us a little bit about your work at Peregrine Corporation? Yes, I'd love to. I joined Peregrine over four years ago, an interesting organisation that was probably around 4,000 staff and at that point had 140 sites, didn't have an established HR function. So at that point, there was an appetite to grow and scale the organisation nationally. So they sought out some strategic help and realigned the functions to set the organisation up for success. And I was one of the first new senior executive appointments. So I got 
tapped on the shoulder to come here and was lucky enough to take the role. Now I'm responsible for just over 6,000 staff and nine entities. And within those nine entities, it consists of TR, which is our convenience arm, and our QSRs, which are quick service restaurants. And they consist of Krispy Kreme, for everyone that knows them, Hungry Jacks, Walk in a Box, GYG, Aporto, Subway. So we're really blessed that we're the national franchisor, particularly in South Australia and some states nationally. So that's super exciting. Then we have our national smoke gift box arm of the business, our retailer. We have our wholesale smoke mark. We have an entire fuels department, which is our reliable MoGas two motorsport parks. We have an entire property corporation arm of the business. So we source, design and build our own infrastructure. So all of the OTRs, we build them ourselves. We have a commercial arm property. So we have some very entrepreneurial owners here at Peregrine. We have, funny enough, a security department, a series of farms, and I also run and support a site support office. So we call that SSO which is where Shared Services comes to support all those business units. Wow. At first I was a bit hungry, like you were talking about all the food and the Krispy Kreme and then it's like, wow, motorsports, commercial, property, farms, what a diverse portfolio. But what amazes me the most is that you started the whole HR function four years ago and half of it being in the pandemic. (laughs) How did you do it? (laughs) What's your secret sauce? Sometimes I feel like it's luck and I have someone looking over me at all times. (laughs) I think you're always your harshest critic. You wish you could do more and be further ahead than we are right now, but we're not doing too badly. We had two years of COVID amongst that and we kept our doors open because our convenience arm, we were a central service. So keeping our team safe was number one priority and keeping all of the organisations running. So we all had a business and job roles to come back to and we did that with huge success, but it was certainly a team effort. I love that because it's also a family business too. So it's that camaraderie, that team spirit, everyone getting together, helping out, beautiful But today we're talking about something quite sensitive. So we're talking about domestic violence, which the stats also showed that it increased during COVID as well. So was this an initiative or the policies that you put in place? Was that your initiative or was it a more of a team effort or an executive effort? Can you tell us a little bit about how it all started? So I think when I came here, the good thing is they might have not had a dedicated HR department, but we certainly had the right policies and practices in place and I wouldn't consider myself a typical HR practitioner. I come from a operational background and an Italian background, so very much aligned to my directors where it's about family. And so I really bring that approach into my work and it doesn't matter how large we get, that will always be the forefront of my mind. So with my chief executive's support, I just established going above and beyond. Essentially, I think it's been a build up over my career and I've been able just to refine it and get better and be able to scale what we do and get better. And COVID helped us and helped me even take it even that little step further, really. So it costs on average $18,000 
to escape a situation of domestic violence or the equivalent of 141 hours according to the ACTU. So how can an employer help with an employee to escape domestic violence? So I think the first instance is making sure that you've got the right people with the right skill set leading your teams and making sure that they're trained and having the right indicators to pick up, to know when to bring it to the expert's attention. And when I talk about experts, each department, each region, we have dedicated human resource partners, which are there 24-7 to pick up a call if needed, so if they need advice. And through that time and through just individual circumstances, we've built the toolkit over time and it goes beyond offering personal loans and offering personal payment plans. You know, I am very lucky. I am very privileged and don't take for granted that we are one of the largest employers in South Australia and I do have the options to tap into things that not other organisations would and I have had circumstances where people have had to get out. So we absolutely take the bill. You know, we've put people up in accommodation for weeks and months. We get them the food, the transport that they need. And sometimes it's not even for them. Sometimes it's actually been for a family member. And the reason we do that is because it affects the team member or employee in the workplace. So our approach is on an individual basis. And I look at every case, and that's not just in relation to domestic violence, but into any performance matter, anything that comes our way in HR, everything is assessed on an individual basis. Our policies and procedures, yeah, they're written in black and white, but they're grey, they're flexible and they're bendable and they grow and adapt as the organisation does. Amazing. And I love how Peregrine Corporation goes above and beyond. It's something that is not on the website or anything because it's just something that is the right thing to do, isn't it? It is. And I will say up front, we have our values, which is cred. And the C stands for care. Absolutely empower all our employees at store level and in our corporate services to make sure that they live our values and behaviours daily. I get the privilege of doing that every day. I don't see it as going above and beyond. I see this as just necessity and the right thing to do in these current times. And the more holistic approach comes from 22 years of experience in working with people with circumstances of domestic violence. That's wonderful. Like never underestimate the power of care and kindness, isn't it? We don't need fancy policies and everything. (laughs) It's just showing your people that you're there and you care and you can listen. And you're right. It's great because every family situation is so different. No two circumstances are the same. Also, I think the point that I work for a large family organisation, I don't have the same barriers of a corporate entity I don't have to declare everything. We just get on with it. We do what's right because we're family. People who have escaped domestic violence frequently suffer from PTSD. Despite this, a lot of workplaces don't have the systems in place to ensure survivors are properly looked after. Other than personal loans and helping with accommodation and all that, what would you recommend other organisations put in place for employees who may be recovering from domestic violence? Yeah. So apart from all the above and beyond practices that we do, we have a series of specialists. So EAP access to every employee. But again, I go a bit deeper than that because for me, it's just making sure that 
they have on the ground services. So whatever region we're in, whatever state we're in, whatever community we're in is making sure that I've got and tapped into some specialist services. And that might be from a specialist counsellor, depending on the circumstances, to psychologists and other medical practitioners. So we can send them there. We have also an early intervention program that allows us to give a certain figure of support until I think, you know, we need to reassess the situation because it's longer term. And then I look at longer term strategies, but in the short term, you know, how do we actually offer the services that they need? And then you've got the basic workplace practices, you know, making sure that you've got flexible work approaches depending on their job role. And again, we have the luxury that we can move people across functionally to make sure if it's the role that they're in, I can't maybe offer that particularly, like what other job role can I move them into to give them that level of flexibility? And just to make sure that everyone's adhering to the safe practices that we have in the workplace. I just feel so relieved and full of hope when I hear organisations such as the Peregrine Corporation going above and beyond and offering all this assistance because, goodness, it just affects morale, motivation, everything at work. And I can just imagine it is a very tight labour market at the moment. It is. And I think if organisations can just really focus on the things that they can do, and it might be viewing the job role differently, is there an ability to job share to give some relief? Again, looking at how you can make work slightly different to accommodate whatever circumstances taking place in someone's life. Again, I've got the benefit of multiple work locations. I've moved individuals across states and regions to make sure that they're safe and their families are safe. Also, just looking at how you take some of the pressure off and make sure without disclosing confidentiality that everyone around them supports them as well without needing to know the detail. That's where I certainly lean on our HR specialists to make sure that they're having the right conversations and checking in as well. But how might other employers apply a flexible working arrangements to help with victims and survivors? If you conduct a bit of a job analysis and look at what they're doing and how maybe you could change the job role to suit the function or maybe change job roles or job share or look at hours of work, there's different things that you can do in smaller. And I wasn't in a large employer like this before. I remember back when I was only managing 500 to 1,000 employees and a much smaller organisation and still applied the same practices. You can do it if you've got the right support from your CEO or partnership or directors or however the organisation is set up. If you've got the support from the top and you are generally living your values and behaviours, I think that any organisation can do anything to support an employee. I think the key really comes down to making sure that you're people can tap into the right specialist to seek advice and guidance on how to do that. So making sure the HR team have the right skills to provide the right advice is essential. And 24-7 support as well, isn't it? Yes, I'm also blessed. But again, I wasn't always 24-7. Even prior when I did work a normal kind of 9 to 5 organisation, just making sure that they had a safe person. There was always the one person, no matter how it was escalated to, 
that they know who to escalate it to quickly. And that person's always on. I always will be the final person and will always make the big calls. And that just comes with part of the role, comes for living our values. I care enough to keep my phone on and by my side because someone always will need us. Sometimes it's about giving people permission, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. But I think actually following through, when you say we're there, we're here for you, we will pick up, that you do. (laughs) That's critical. Too many times you hear, yes, we've got a service, but no one's at the other end of the phone. And unfortunately, in these circumstances, you don't have time. There is circumstances where I've had minutes to make the right decision and it's essential that you're on point because it's sometimes life or death in these situations. Wow. This is a very difficult question, but what should you do as an employer if you suspect an employee is being subjected to abuse? So if I just go back to the basic elements that we train, one is to provide a very private and very safe place to have a confidential conversation. And this is one thing I continuously probably train daily (laughs) across the organisation, safe and private, and picking up on certain behaviours. So I even go down to the point of describing people's tone, behaviour, eye connection, to pick up if they're not comfortable. If they're not comfortable, make sure that you get someone that that person is comfortable to talk to. That is so important. And once they're feeling safe is the ability to have the right and ask the right questions, essentially. Again, we have some mini toolkits that we train on to make sure that there is these not interrogation questions, that they're open-ended questions that give the employee a really safe way of answering or disclosing what's going on, but also training them when the person doesn't want to disclose, but they still suspect and how to then escalate that. Should I be worried? What should I do? And us providing the right advice and services to address it. And in HR, we go above and beyond and we do personalised follow-ups with everyone and check-ins on a weekly, actually it's a daily basis, it's a daily practice for all our dedicated HRBPs that we have a list of people that we check in on because they've been alerted as someone that just needs that extra bit of care. I think also just making sure that you have the right people, conversations and forums that observations of what's going out in your workplace, no matter if it's in store or in a head office, that they've got an opportunity just to talk about their observations of their people And sometimes it's through those conversations where you can actually, as a HR professional or professionals in that setting, ask the right questions and make sure they're looking for the right things. Because sometimes I don't even know. And it's just by pure, my observations through a conversation or observations of my other professionals that have brought it to my attention said, I think you might just need to deep dive here a little bit further. I think also just making sure that everyone's prepared emotionally and your team members don't pass judgment. Make sure that everyone feels safe, that there's no judgment made on people and be prepared to train your people on when people are or may approach the situation in a very emotional or emotionally distressed state and how to handle that and, again, how to escalate quickly. 
It's really important to have a toolkit, isn't it? Because I noticed that sometimes people, when they ask questions, it might have a judgmental tone in it and they're not aware of it, inadvertently asking the wrong questions. So yeah, I love how you support people with a toolkit because if you're not familiar with this situation, you wouldn't know where to start, what to ask. No. And I think over my career, I've been able to build out case studies essentially. And we really love to train through storytelling here at Peregrine and making sure that I place real life scenarios into the training toolkit and we role play. It's a monthly conversation. We have monthly dedicated people meetings and most of the subjects are around having real conversations about people, making sure that they bring them so they can get the right advice. Amazing. I love how it's such a frequent conversation to keep it top of mind. So for employers out there, what other resources would you recommend they tap into? So that would depend on what region or what state they're in. But again, I think when everyone feels in serious danger, we go straight to just call triple zero. Make sure that you get the right protection there and the services there, depending on where your location is. And then There are a multitude of services in this area. You've got National 1800 Respect, you've got Safe Steps, you've got relevant violence and victim associations. And again, just making sure that your people have access without having to ask for it. Making it accessible as well. The final question, which is how we finish every episode of High Potential with Indeed is... What will it ultimately take to ensure a better and more inclusive workplace in the future? If I just talk about my journey here, we're absolutely nailing being brilliant at the basics. I look forward to the future and what technology can bring. The technology is there. We're yet to adapt it. It's on my future IT roadmap. You know, a chat box will be able to answer half their questions in the future from their mobile phone. You tap in not feeling safe or need help and whatever organisation they work for, their ability to get the answers that they need without having to talk to a human. It's just a responsiveness. And I think that will be a big game changer for organisations in the future. Exciting times. Thank you so much, Renee, for joining us. It was my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Higher Potential with Indeed. Before you go and start building a better workplace, don't forget to hit subscribe and leave a review if you found this podcast helpful. If you'd like to read our full DNI report, click the link in this episode's description and fill out the form. Just a quick note, the views and opinions expressed in this episode by the guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Indeed. Additionally, the information in this episode does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, all content we discuss is for general informational purposes only, and you should consult with a legal professional for any legal issues you may be experiencing.